got like a dozen ads up there, man. I saw them. I was terrified. I'm like, holy crap. Dude, people that want my socks. Natural. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't care. They're paying good money for them. Hi, this is Eric Van Johnson, and you're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 45, recorded January 12th, 2017. In this episode, Thomas and I talked about Trillo being purchased, 2016 Laravel survey results, MongoDB runs into some issues, GitHub runs into some issues, Backpage runs into some issues, if you've used Geek Squad, You've probably run into some issues. And uh, we'll talk about some other things too, maybe. So let's get started. Thomas Ryder, can I ask you a question? Of course. Anything. Do you find it oddly, like, eerie? We are about to embark on PHP Ugly episode 45, and we're about to inaugurate our 45th president. That is weird. I think, I think it's a sign. A sign of bad things. <laughs> bad things to come. How are you doing, Thomas? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. You getting pumped for your move? Yeah. I'm getting stuff put in boxes, throwing a lot of stuff away. You already got your place picked out. Now you're moving into a full-fledged house, right? Full actual big boy home. Nice. Out of, out of Very this, cool. I'm, I'm currently in what would be a Russian block hotel or uh, apartment complex except that it's in the middle of one of the nicest parts of southern california <laughs> so it's just incredibly incredibly dense and built up but very nice outside i guess you know it's going to be funny i remember when we moved we when we first moved out to san diego we lived in a studio and i mean it was a studio it was like Su-su- the size of a hotel room susu studio yeah, and uh, we moved into a fairly large one-bedroom apartment about a, six months, eight eight months later, and we went from like feeling like we were totally cramped to realizing we had like no furniture, we had nothing, nothing to fill this big apartment, and then a year later we were totally cramped with stuff again. So I already, I already feel like I have no furniture, or it's just junk. I have. Three kids, and they just, they leave stuff everywhere. Yeah. It's, I have like four, <laughs> well, see, now, four decks of now cards. Now you have a whole house. On the floor. You have a whole house. You can, you can dedicate an entire room to them. Say, this is your play, play area. Don't let any of your junk leave this room. I'm dedicating a floor to them. They're going to get, they're going to get the basement, and they're just going to, whatever fighting they want to do, they can do it down there. <laughs> Don't bring me the bloodshed up up the stairs. Yeah, please. no, upstairs stays clean. How you doing? Doing okay. Can't complain. We had our uh, local SDPHP meetup, the first one in 2017, last night. I was just telling you last week how a little discouraged I was getting with the user group and trouble finding uh, presenters. But after last night's meetup, man... I'm like reinvigorated. I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of people step up and say they're going to present. I had a few people that really seem interested in presenting, and that's great. I seem I seem to get that a lot, and then they they they, they come down off of the meetup high and fizzle out on me. Yeah. So I need to keep following up with them. 
They they get but home and our, sober up. <laughs> but, you know, we do serve alcohol at our meetups, and there is a reason for that. Our sponsor and host, Zito, Zito Media, they, they've been sponsoring us for a, a while now. And um, they, you know, they're your typical, you know, hip, cool internet place. I mean, they, we, they used to, when they were sponsoring us last year, we'd meet up in their offices and they have the whole ping pong table and all the cool things that, that, you know, a developer dreams of having when they go into the office, they pretty much had it. But I think they topped all that this year uh, because we were informed that we would no longer be holding our meetings in the offices anymore because they decided they were going to go ahead and rent or purchase or lease the the first floor of the building where there was a restaurant. And I mean, this is downtown San Diego, so it's not like this stuff is cheap. You know, this is the city of San Diego. I mean, San Diego proper. Yeah, this is the, this is the heartbeat of, of the downtown area. And these guys are just like, yeah, no, this, uh, there was a restaurant down here on the first floor. They moved out. So, uh, we moved in. So they had this entire first floor of this building, which is, which is this restaurant and this huge bar. And it's just for this Zito company. And so this is where we're hosting our SDPHP meetup now. And it is awesome. It was like the coolest setup ever. I mean, it's just like this huge, uh, open area, very relaxed. Very comfortable uh, chairs. They had this massive screen with a projector set up, and it was just a, a, a real cool setup. Uh, this huge bar that that you know uh, we we hung out at and talked for a real long time after the meetup. But uh, and then on top of that, the most exciting part about the meetup was I think we had more new faces last night than I'd seen at any one meetup. I think we had like just over 40 people RSVP. And if you know how meetups work, that's never the percentage you get. And I was actually, you know, calculating we'd get about 20 people because as I was explaining to somebody, the more people that RSVP, the more people that don't show up. So if 20 people RSVP, you get about a 70% turnout. If, you know, over 30 people RSVP, that percentage starts to drop in so I said, with a 40% RSVP, I'd be surprised if we got a 50% turnout. But we ended up getting just over, I think there were just over 30 people there. Uh, we started low. We started with about uh, 20, which, you know, hadn't surprised me. And that's why I started the meetup. And then people just kept walking in. And it, it is San Diego. It was raining. So trying to drive around San Diego in the rain is just a nightmare. Um, so we had a lot of uh, stragglers coming in, but by the time, by about half hour into the meetup, uh, another 10 people had showed up, and uh, it was good. It was so good to see so many new faces, people who, and all the, just about all the new people, I think, hung out the longest. So usually what you see happen is new, new people are pretty shy, and they, they come, and they don't really say anything, and you try to engage them, and they may have a purpose of being there or a question they want to ask and once they ask it they they pretty much bail on the meetup as soon as it's over yeah this i've I've seen the the eyes sort of glaze over and people check out sometimes yeah last night it was um i think by the time i left there was still like pretty much all the uh, first timers were still there all still talking to each other so that's really awesome it was good man 
like I said, I'm reinvigorated by it. I'm I just need a presenter for next month. And <laughs> I'll be happy. That was a good topic too. You you gave the uh, the speech on PHP seven point one features. I, I did. I did. I could have done a better job because I I realized I glossed over a very important fact with the seven point one, which was essentially everything I I showed people with the exception of a couple of the backwards breaking changes, which were really around um, how some error reporting on certain conditions, but all the new features like, uh, you know, returning void, you know, or you know, doing a return of a void or, you know, marking something as that it can be nullable. Right. All that stuff is optional. Like, there's nothing I showed them as far as a new feature goes was anything that they had to do for PHP 7.1. If they have an existing app running in PHP 7, all that syntax will just convert over to 7.1, no issue. And I, I think I glossed over that. I should have hammered on that point a little bit more last night, and I didn't. Well, it sounds like you hit all the big points. Uh, I was going to hit you with this. Do you know what the name of that, that Zito lounge, the employee lounge restaurant is? Uh, what was it? Uh, what was it? Was it something like questionable intent or something? The questionable exchange. A questionable exchange. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On January nineteenth, they're hosting the Zito Tech Exchange, which is a a tech executives meetup. Uh, lots of stuff going on there. So, you know, it's it isn't just for our little group that they bought a restaurant, but <laughs> no, I, I have no, heard good a, definitely not. Yeah, and that and that tech exchange is a new regular uh, monthly meet thing that they're doing. It's not a meetup. It's not on meetup, but it's a, a monthly uh, event that they're having here in San Diego. So I'm going to try to try to attend that. What about you, Mr. Thomas? What have you been doing? What have you been working on? How's work going? Oh, you know, been doing a little of this, a little of that. It's a lot of uh, dabbling in preparation for my extended time off. You know, that's one of the things is that when you take uh, a good chunk of time off, I'm taking two weeks off for the whole moving process. Holy smokes, yeah. But when you do that, they they don't want to give you anything too important or or potentially breaking <laughs> either. So it kind of slows down right up until you hit that, that break. So yeah. I, I've been doing a lot of help with the front-end developers, porting things to Laravel 5.2, and then we're going to be doing 5.3 pretty soon. I think next Monday we're going to push production and taking it easy. Mostly, mostly dealing right. with moving stuff, you know. And and that was definitely one of the perks of being of being employed is that uh, I assume those two weeks are paid two weeks for you, huh? Oh yes. Yeah, yeah that's I'm not sweet. one of those vacation people. Like when I mm-hmm. uh, when I take vacation time, I just stay at home and play video games. And mm-hmm. since I'm on my computer and half the office doesn't know I'm on vacation, they'll ask me for something and I'll just say, "All right, yeah, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> so my vacations have never been too disconnected. Yeah. So that's cool, man. That's that's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, you know what? I am going to tell you a secret, and I hope nobody else finds out about it. But I think I am falling out of love with Vagrant. And with Vagrant. I have with Vagrant. Yeah. I really think I'm. I've I've fallen out of love with. It. I've had issues with my vagrant images in the past where 
they'll go squirrely on me. Like all of a sudden, it, I can't SSH the box, or it won't boot up, or it, you know, I just have these weird, like quirky things with my vagrant images, and I'll, I'll maybe part of it's my fault because I'll like get one image, maybe that yeah, I'll get one image that that I really start to get dependent on, and I'll continue to build onto it and build onto it and build onto it, as opposed to. You know, probably breaking it down to multiple images like I should be doing. But it bit me again yesterday. I My main development image for Vagrant just stopped working. I couldn't, it wouldn't boot. It wouldn't, it kept saying that I already have a uh, Vagrant image with that name. And so I needed to choose another name. And I've had that problem in the past where... I'm like, okay, well, I'll give you another name, but I still need you to boot, and you boot it, and you start from nothing again. Like It's like you're booting a new machine. Sure, but I always start. So I, mean, I do I, that frequently. Yeah, and I, I should probably have gotten more into the habit of doing that more fr- frequently, but I hadn't. Well, now, and I'll tell you, it, so this DevOps like, helps this a lot. We have a vagrant image that we can basically destroy and rebuild anytime we want to because DevOps does the chef and puppet scripts and makes sure that it is a unified environment for all of our development group. So it, it gets handled by them, and they, they know what they're doing. Yeah, we have a similar setup, and the reality of it is that I could do it again. The biggest thing I lose are my databases, which I have to rebuild, and we have scripts to do that as well. So the idea of rebuilding it, I, I've done that a couple times. Uh, actually, when I just re-imaged my laptop, I went through it. And it's not terribly painful it's just something i don't feel like doing again and i did that talk a while back on valet sure and i started to really get a sense for you know i'm really liking having certain components local especially like the database i'm really liking having my database local as opposed to in these vms but i didn't really want to go the valet route and i didn't install valet on my laptop I did that because I was actually showing somebody valet at the time. But my main work desktop, I didn't want to go the valet route. So I started, I pulled up my notes on Docker again. And so now I'm, <sighs> I'm building Docker. So I knew, I knew that's where this conversation was going. Yeah. So the, the problem with valet was, and it's sort of a problem with Vagrant as well, is switching... I, I'm at this weird point where I'm constantly needing to switch between versions of PHP and even versions of my SQL, unfortunately. But uh, oh, and versions of Apache as well. Uh, so it's it's in some cases I'm using Apache, in some cases I'm using Nginx. So I have all these little components that for Vagrant I was having to build multiple images, do all my configuration that I was doing for the other image into this image and all that. But, and I really couldn't do that with uh, Valet. Valet, that, w- that would have just, I didn't even look into how to do different versions of PHP. Yeah, I don't think Apache that would have worked at all. Yeah. But with Docker, it's pretty simple. I mean, I just referenced different images. You didn't attend the, uh, were you? No. no, you weren't. You didn't attend my talk. No, Docker. I missed yeah. it. So with Docker, for me to f- switch out Nginx in Apache, it's, pretty simple. I mean, it's actually very simple to switch it out. I can switch out what version of PHP I'm using and just spin the spin the container back up and everything's fine. So I think I'm going to do that. I don't think I'm going to... I think I'm going to give Vagrant 
a break because I'm a little sick of it. You'll have to yeah, let me know how that goes. To see that. You know, Docker yeah, intrigues me, but uh, it's not one of those things I want to jump to yet. I, and I wouldn't. Now, where I'd really like to get to is when I have a Docker configuration done, I'd really like to get to the point where I'm comfortable enough to deploy it to production. But that's the one thing I did learn uh, when I did my Docker talk is some people at the meetup who were familiar with Docker was they were just going on and on about some of the security issues with Docker and why you never want to do that. You never want to use Docker in production. And they were explaining what those issues were. I don't I don't remember the details right now, but it was enough to concern me where I'm like uh, pretty easily. And, and it's got escalation issues i wouldn't say bugs that, it's just stuff you have to know yeah that's exactly what they were saying and they were like you really want you really want to know what you're doing before you even consider doing docker in, in production but now i did so i did my whole uh well my sdphp presentation yesterday on 7.1 and i did that entire presentation i did a bunch of live coding and, and showing them everything and i did that using docker and what that allowed me to do is I actually packaged that whole Docker up into a repo, put it on the SDPHP web GitHub account, and told everybody, he's like, hey, if you want to walk through everything we just talked about, go clone this repo, do your Docker up, and you have PHP 7.1 right there, and you're off and running. I think uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll let you know how it goes. Well, we have some news here. We have some, some business news. Business. All right. You know what I forgot to do? I forgot to organize our cards, so I don't even know what you what you want to talk about first here. I like the order they're in. I think it's good. All right, let's now, go. Now, okay, so you say cards. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a system we have. We we kind of depend on a lot called Trillo. Yeah, I think this is the system a lot of people depend on. You know, we we discussed last week some of the top tools of PHP developers for the year. Boy, I guess it wasn't last week. I think that might have been two weeks ago. Either way, you know, one of the big tools is Trello. Trello is a project management sort of card stack system. And yeah, it's kind of around the whole agile approach and moving things around. Yeah, yeah, and, and they've been around for, I don't know, a couple years. How long do you think Trello's been around? Oh, I couldn't even tell you. Uh, I mean, I probably, I know they've been around at least, Three, four years, right? Because I was using them before we started Diego Dev. So it looks like January 2011, they they proto they released a prototype, uh, and it didn't really spin out as its own product until 2014, and wasn't global until 2015. So it's really only been about a year and a half, two years that they've okay. that they've been actively pushing it as a product okay well it's it's paid off this year because atlassian the uh the jira people yep they jira bitbucket i mean yeah the the best alternative for about everything out there yeah <laughs> well they they have announced their purchase of trello for 425 million dollars Man, that is that is not chump change. And four hundred and twenty-five. Yeah, three hundred and sixty of which is just in straight cash. Yep, that's. So you're you're looking at a pretty good, uh, pretty good income for anybody who was on that ground level there three years ago. So the question is, how do you what What's your opinion of it? So again, 
they have so many great products that always seem to come in second place. They have Bitbucket, which is I mean, was right on par with GitHub for so long. Lost a little ground. They did a revamp, looking real good again. But now you got GitLab kind of slipping in there, so it's kind of a three-horse race. But uh, they have Bitbucket. They have HipChat, which, again, HipChat was what everybody was going to. Everybody was starting to use HipChat. And then Slack hit the scene and bumped them right, right down the, the stack. You, you've got Jira, which is, well, Jira is probably still kind of the project management thing that people go to, I think. I think that's still kind of... But where do you see Trello fitting into that? I mean, like, why do they need this? Well, I'll tell you what Atlassian does best. Atlassian is an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You have a Jira ticket tied to a Trello card, which you can use for all sorts of burn rate calculation or uh, feature appraisal, stuff like that. It connects to HipChat. HipChat notifies you when you've deployed via Confluence. Confluence communicates with Bitbucket to know whether something needs to be deployed uh, and whether or not it's been signed off on in Jira by somebody with manager permissions. Has the code review taken place? Is the code review signed off on? Uh, continuous integration has has completed. and it's With Atlassian, it is all about the ecosystem. It's all about selling everything all at once. And and that's yeah, it's just, a real strength. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I just uh, I I'm, I was wondering if if you felt it was an acquisition purchase where they really wanted the talent more than the product, or if you th do you really think that they're going to leverage this product? So it sounds like you think they're going to leverage the actual product. Huh? Everyone I know knows Trello, which which to me means that it's the product. And I, I can tell you, I know exactly why I use Trello which is the the integration with the keyboard, copy and paste. There, There's just these little refinements in their system that make it so pleasant to work with. And I yeah. think I think Atlassian has seen that and said, oh, yeah, we want that. We want the, the product. I hope I can agree with you. But I tell you what, everybody knows what a Pebble watch is, and it ain't no more either. It ain't no more. My kids never will. <laughs> Your kids never will. That's true. Well, so when you launch a product like this, like Trello, you get yourself up to $4.5 million or whatever. How do you do that? How do you launch a product of this scale where you want to end up being worth a half a million dollars? You really think if I knew that, that secret sauce, I'd be sitting here doing a podcast with you on a Thursday night? I, fa no. I found out today. Are you going to share? I am. Did you bring enough for everybody? I am. What is it? Did you know that we're unpaid shills? What are you talking about? We advertised for a company, and we didn't know it. Who? Okay. This is the the first product by a new company who specializes in a reporting system, a reporting yeah. interface. And so to announce their product, to announce you know what is essentially a service, they created a free service. They created something that could show it off. And then they just released it, and they they got us to advertise for them. So, oh, last week we were talking about our GitHub report cards. We were. Everyone we were. was, and we we were talking about it because somebody had talked to me about it earlier that day, and 
It was, uh, what do you, what do the kids call it these days? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's called viral marketing. Vir- viral marketing. But it, it wasn't viral marketing. It was just like this company, Reflect, who does data viz, created their platform and then said, well, we got to show it off somehow. And their first way of showing it off was creating this product, which was the GitHub report card. It was free. It used all of their graphing and metric systems. And they wrote a blog post about it today that I just sort of went, oh, boy, I'm a sucker, aren't I? <laughs> I talked I talked about their new product for free. Well, you're a sucker. I mean, I'm not going to debate that. That too, yeah. You, but I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with this approach. I, I think it's... Not at all. I love it. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, more companies should do this. Say, hey, you know, we have this great little widget. Uh, you know, see how it's used by by you know using this app. Uh, it's good. But yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was so good to see. I, what's what's interesting to me is they double dipped, and today they today they released a blog post saying, well, the headline here is what we learned visualizing five thousand GitHub accounts in twenty four hours, and so that they've got a full breakdown of how they made the API calls, what services they used, uh, their connection to Amazon, and how they communicated data back and forth between Amazon systems. And, and the Lambdas. And yeah, Lambdas. Man, they, I mean, they really actually go in pretty good detail here. Right. They're giving away all of the work that they did, essentially, so that you can do that same work so that you can use their endpoint, which is their data visualization system. So not only did they get us to say, hey, this is pretty cool, it outputs a nice little chart that someone clearly designed very well, but then how did they get to that point? As a developer, I want to learn how to integrate their software. It was very smart, and I, I think this company is going places. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Might have to re-explore them and see what they have. There was more. There's more data visualization going on in our little world this, this week. Really? Did you see they re- Yeah, they released... Uh, Lara Jobs released their 2016 Laravel survey. Did you have an opportunity to look at this? I did. I went through the entire thing piece by piece. I'll tell you at the end what my favorite part was. Go ahead. Oh, you. Well, at I, the end. I didn't have a whole. I didn't have a whole lot. Of, oh, oh you talking about the, the last survey? The la- <laughs> I'll I like, tell. I like that one too. I like the last. I mean, it, the last bit, which is what's yeah. missing. I'd like to see Laravel add. Wait, where are you at? At the very bottom. Very bottom. Oh, maybe I missed one. Oh, I'd like to see a Laravel ad. Oh, I didn't even see. It didn't have a pretty graph associated to it. Exactly. I, I just I just assume you were speaking about the obvious, about who has a better voice, which clearly Jeffrey Way is going to win that hand uh, no, down. No, no. Clearly, it's too hard to choose because Taylor Atwell and Jeffrey Way are the same person. Oh, God. So what about the... Uh, I, I'd like to see... Uh, Laravel ad that you like? I like this because I looked at it and said, hey, there's a bunch of open source projects waiting to happen for somebody who wants to work on an open source project. If you're a Laravel developer, you don't know what to work on, boom, here's a list of 20 things you can make. What do you think enterprise support uh, and paid training? I understand what they're saying. Like inter- enterprise Which is coming. Support, so, yeah, somebody they can call. Huh. Yeah, that's yeah, and, and that was actually going to be the one thing that, you know, the, these surveys are always skewed. I mean, you're asking a Laravel community if they think Laravel is enterprise-ready. And surprisingly enough, they all say, yeah, it is. It's like, eh, I don't, I don't know if I disagree with them, but it's like, that 
that survey that you can pretty much throw the one out out the door. It's not doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it it is a little biased. Now I'll tell you though, I was surprised. How many production applications do you have using Laravel? Yep. Yeah, the I, I, I saw that. The most common was six to ten. Yeah, and I think that's a little misleading as well because I'm wondering how many of them are like full blown applications and how many are just like these microservices or, or small API endpoints. You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you, I run three, and I consider my usage to be pretty large scale. So I'm thinking what this indicates more of is that it is a contract web developer's preferred language. So this is the kind of language that you see, or the kind of framework that you'll see for somebody who's making a lot of apps, who's doing quick development and needs portable code. What did you think about uh, what's the one reason why you selected Laravel over other frameworks? Oh, what was the what are the answers there? Ease of use, uh, documentation, community, use. performance, or other. That's a, that's a big thing. I was gonna say. I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was cool. Community came in third there. I, I was actually surprised documentation came in second. I mean, Laravel's got some pretty good documentation. I think it has very pretty documentation. I think the the table of contents and the sub-indexes are laid out in a very readable way. But I wouldn't say that it's better than most projects I see. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, but I wouldn't say it's more I mean, concise. Are you, ta- are you talking about the, uh, the, the documents on Laravel.com or are you talking about the yeah. API documents? I'm talking about Laravel.com. API. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff missing, but... It's really easy to get into, and it's sort of a start here, end here type thing. It is, it is well so that, written. That's always my thing. It's like I always look at that as the start here documentation, and then the API documentations, which I think are pretty damn complete, is where you really kind of get into things. The one thing I'm curious about on on this specifically is I'm wondering if they were if the people taking the survey were taking consideration things like Laracast. Because if they were, that's kind of yeah. cheating a little bit, right? If you're, yeah, if you're counting not... for Laracast as documentation instead of community, then Laracast is easily the reason to use Laravel. For, for yeah, anyone who yeah. I know who doesn't know PHP, if they wanted to get into it, I'd say Laravel, Laracast, take a month, you're good to go. Yeah. So I'm curious if, if when people chose documentation, how many people were taking... Assuming Laracast was part of that. I don't know. I well, don't know what what's funny to me is performance. Is Performance is the lowest scoring besides other. But I think that's because performance is on par. If the performance, right. so, if it were bad, exactly. then no one would, everyone would say screw it. You know, you're yeah. not picking it because it's fast, but you're picking it because it's not slow. Exactly. You know? I think you nailed it. So I think performance, having performance on there, clearly, it's not a performance framework. It's not a performance engine. You know, it, it shouldn't even be a matter of, of focus. You know, it's when you break down Zen Symphony and Laravel together, they all perform the same. You know, at very high levels of usage, yeah, you can measure performance differences, but man, it's it's going to be so minimal in an in an end application. I agree. All right, so I just said I think it's a sign of of the things coming to an end with this being the 45th episode and us welcoming in our 45th president, who we're also thrilled about. You and I had a conversation before we even did our podcast earlier today about how heavy we are on doom and gloom. 
Oh yes, I am. I am so excited about this. It started early this week too. I mean, it was on Monday, and it was just a flood of doom and gloom articles that I couldn't ignore. I had to. I mean, I you know, even, I've got a list. I even contributed a couple. Yeah, I've got a list here, and you let you put in some of the stuff I left out. But the first one, January ninth, MongoDB, just a mess. So you know MongoDB. Oh yeah, I know MongoDB. Yep. So. Big data storage, large reporting servers, very uh, user-friendly. You know, any any dev can sort of grab it and drop it in and start using it. But that that looks like that might have caused a problem. Yeah, I have I have issues with this. I'm going to get into it in a little bit. Oh, I don't want to rant too long on it. <laughs> so explain what happened. Somebody wrote up a script that just started scraping websites looking for unsecured MongoDB servers. And by unsecured, I mean absolutely unsecured default passwords, open ports on the internet, totally unsecured. Like, So here's geez. the thing about this. <laughs> I am going to go off on you here in a second because this drives me nuts. And you see it a lot in these NoSQL solutions. All this insecurity that that they're referring to was the default install of the goddamn service yeah it's like why do these services install this way mongo is not the only only one i um the first time i got exposure to uh, couch db was i was working uh, at a job here in san diego and it had no interface no password to it at all right it was just open and they're kind of explanation to it was well we want you to secure this using HTTP access HT access or you guys secure it however you want to secure it we're not going to worry about that for this project I'm like how the hell do you do a develop a service like this and, and, and not have a built baked in security for it now they do now obviously but it just blows my mind I remember when I was um back in the enterprise how much people flipped out because Microsoft SQL had a default username and password. Yeah. And anybody who had, you know, Microsoft SQL knew what that default username and password was and a lot of people wouldn't change it and that was considered a pretty big exploit. But it had a username and password. There are freaking no SQL solutions out there now that don't even do that much. And that's their default install. How is that possible in this day and age? Yeah, it's it's like selling a car without seatbelts okay, because you have a sticker on the windshield that says drive safely and you don't need it. It's just bad. It's really bad. If you're producing some kind of service, make the user enter a password as their first action. Don't let them just log into it with, with a blank password or a default password. I mean, and this is the second this is the second time this has happened in two months. The the Internet of Things virus that went out was default password based. And this happened because somebody just sort of realized it and wrote a virus to do it or wrote a, wrote a program to do it. What happened is this program just went through and you can query the Internet for, you know, a list of instances. It's not hard to find instances of MongoDB. Right now, there's about 99,000 MongoDB instances that are accessible via the web, whether secured or not. So this guy just... And they think, they think 20% of those got compromised. 20%. Yeah. 20%. More than that now. At this point, it's over 25%. So this script just went through all of them and said, hey, uh, download the entire database and then delete it 
and then upload a readme that says, uh, send a Bitcoin to this wallet, and I'll give you your database back. You hope that's what happened. You're well, assuming that's what happened. There's actually nothing <laughs> that, that actually confirms they downloaded no, the data. it. They could have just wiped it. It gets much worse. So this first came out, and somebody said, wait a second. It's that easy to compromise a MongoDB server. So all of a sudden now there's four or five or six guys out there doing the same thing. And when they find a database that's already been compromised, they just change the wallet code on the compromised database. <laughs> so they don't they don't even have your data. They're just putting the same they're just changing the the one code in there and saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, no. I I compromised this one now. It's mine now." So you've got these guys Fighting over compromised MongoDB servers. Oh man! It, it's a total what, mess. Wasn't it? I, I, I was I was ragging on uh, Microsoft SQL, but uh, wasn't it MySQL also? Didn't didn't they have a time where there was no root password? Everyone had a time when they were doing it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So okay, let's yeah. say, let's say, you went in. Your MongoDB password was default. You changed it. You did the right thing. You need it to be accessible on the internet. So you've got it nicely secured, right? You're all, mm-hmm. you're good. Yep, I'm good. Well, maybe. Well? So. Well, depending depending on, on how good your developers are and when they commit code, right? Yeah. So yeah. a new tool was released this week called Truffle Hog. <laughs> Yeah, this technique, this process is not new. This has been going on for a long time. And and what was actually released, well, what happens, what it does, as far as it's what it's doing is it's searching through uh, GitHub repos. It's looking for keys and passwords and things like that. GitHub actually does that on your repo as well. I don't know if you were aware of this. I was not. I was involved in a project once where somebody had actually committed AWS credential and they uploaded their AWS credential as part of this repo and GitHub sent sent us an email saying, hey, you know, our little bot just went through your repo and we noticed something that looked very similar to a AWS credential. Uh, you know, please confirm that's not what it is. And if it is, you need to remove it. And uh, I think it does the same thing for passwords as well. But yeah, this little tool... That that was in this article, GitHub Secret Key Finder. It kind of does the same thing. It, it it starts crawling through GitHub repos and it looks for passwords. It looks for encryption strings and anything. This is what I love about it. Now the the Mirai botnet when it came out, it had a list of devices and the default passwords per device. So it just tried all these default passwords. But this does something totally different. This uses a Shannon entropy calculator. So you know entropy is the the sort of measure of randomness between a series of digits in a string. Of course, of course, I knew that, Thomas. Why did you think you had to explain that to me? Yeah. I knew that was what that was. So what it does Whatever. is it just digs through scripts and it looks for something that is more random than it should be. And that, you let me off way too easy on that one. Go ahead. I it's my job to take it easy on you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, You're more random than you should be. I am. I would throw a flag at Truffle Hog. Conversation's more random. Go ahead. So it goes through your code and it says, hey, this thing has high entropy. It might be a password. 
I'm just going to flag it, send it to my guy, and let him know he should check it out. So this isn't just if you have a config file that's standard to your use of WordPress or your install of Laravel. This is if you have code anywhere that looks like it's higher than normal random, then it'll throw a flag in this this tool. I, it's very interesting. Have you downloaded it? Of course not. That would implicate me in a crime if one were committed. And No, I haven't. That would be a bad thing for me to do. I'm just intrigued by it. Well, you definitely have to be careful when you do bad things nowadays. And you never you never know who's going to rat on you anymore. Have you ever... Have, now, I don't mean to offend. I need to ask these questions. No, it's... I don't know how well... It's okay. Have you ever had the need to use the Geek Squad? I don't even know where I'd find a service like that. You know, within our little community... The Geek Squad is somewhat of a joke, and uh, I have had several conversations with my parents on why not to use them, and then I regret having that conversation because then they typically call me to do the stuff. Sure. But, you know, the Geek Squad, the, the biggest issue I, I've always had with the Geek Squad is that they're, they're not really geeks. They, they're not really trained, and they're just salespeople trying to upsell some product on you. Right. It's just a it's just a manual. In in the way that the Apple Store geniuses actually are geniuses. Yes. Geek squads right. Geek Squad employees are not geeks. That's why they all wear different colored shirts, because they were smart enough not to wear the same colored shirt as the uh, other guys. So yeah. But then stories started to surface about People having like nudie pictures stolen off their laptop when they went and took it to Geek Squad. I'm like, what do you think's going to happen? You just you know, your 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 17 year old daughter just brought in her laptop because it had a virus on it. Of course, that 16 year old pimple faced boy behind the counter is going to scan okay. that computer. Look, I have to interrupt images. you. I have to interrupt you. Quick what? game. What is the name of the sleazy stoner teenager? Working for Geek Squad. Adam. I was thinking Bodie. Uh, I'm feeling Adam. It's, it's usually an Adam. You're going, so you're going geekier than I was going. I was going, like, really doesn't care. <laughs> so so there was, a, there was a time where that was the worst thing you had to worry about, was if you took your laptop into Geek Squad, they were going to, to take something off of it. Well, they ask for your password. I mean, if, if you give them a Windows machine or a Mac, they ask for your password, which I... You and I both know you don't even need that, right? Right, I mean, and I, I believe... You access. I believe Apple will never do that. I believe Apple says we don't ever ask for your password. You would believe wrong. They do. Really? <laughs> yeah. Not only do they ask for it, they write it down on a piece of paper. Oh, my God. Blows. Oh, oh, dude, you have no idea. Well, to be fair, paper is more secure than anything else in an Apple store. Ah! <laughs> Ah. Yeah, no, uh, we're all off topic. So things are getting worse in Geek Squad. Why? What not are they doing only, now? Not only do they, do they take your daughter's nudie pictures off their computer, but the rats now as well. They're ratting you out to the man. Who? The geeks. No, who are they the ratting squad? you out to? <laughs> who's, the, who's the man? I know who the geeks are. Oh, who's the man? In this case, it's the FBI. Oh, the man. Oh, the yeah, capital the man. The so man. This was a story that was posted called "Why You Shouldn't Trust Geek Squad Ever Again," and uh, it it goes on to talk about um, 
some questionable content was seen seen on on a uh, on a computer and uh the uh where that questionable content was is also some something in question like it wasn't it was basically uh compiled from what could have potentially been deleted files so there's there's no like clear understanding on you know if this was an active image that the, the person was using i mean it was some bad image i mean it was something that don't want to see on a laptop i assume uh yeah no they go into it in the article weird yeah yeah you know i guess you know they they turn around and end up reporting this to the fbi and but you know then a lot of questions come into play right it's like is you know do they really have first thing why the fact that they had come across the image was like should they shouldn't have even been doing that yeah why are you digging around exactly so there, there became all this question of you know searching without a warrant and and how this evidence became because as a U.S. citizen, I mean you you have certain rights and and the cops can't just grab your computer and start looking through images and and, and seeing what you have on your computer. There's there's a process involved and they have to get a warrant and they have to they have to go to a judge and explain to him, convince the judge that there's a, there's enough of a suspicion to issue the warrant. And so there's a lot of concerns about how this evidence was gathered and, and whether geek, the geek squad had overstepped their boundaries by, you know, doing what they had done. I, I will one up you here. I have a question for you. I want you to hear this uh, sentence with some redacted information here. This is from the net network world report. According to court records, Geek Squad technician John Trey Westfall found an image, redacted. Westfall notified his boss, who was also an FBI informant, who alerted another FBI informant, as well as the FBI itself. So, the term FBI informant doesn't just mean that they were testifying in court. It it means that they had a positive relationship with the fbi ongoing relationship my question to you is what if best buy has nothing to do with this what if the fbi is just going to minimum wage employees and saying hey you want an extra hundred bucks a month all you got to do is look and see if you find anything and if you do we'll give you a thousand dollars yeah i'm curious about what had this guy's status as an informant if if they were targeting his profession his work's place and exactly what he does that is a huge problem now if this guy was a crackhead who you know was in trouble with the law and just happened to be an fbi informant who got a job at best buy that's that's a different scenario but yeah i'm with you i'm like are they going to these these little niche industries as seeing seeing them as possible gateways into you know bigger information and doing exactly what you said hey you want to be cool? You want to be like a spy man? I'll make you. An, I'll make you an FBI informant, and all you got to do is next time you come across a dirty picture that looks questionable, you just let us know, okay? And we'll we'll get everything. We'll take some bad guys off the street. You'll be a hero, and you'll have some money, and nobody will even know about it. So here's a question I want to propose to you and to our audience: Is that in a society where somebody could be? Uh, deputized as a spy, an FBI informant, and they have access to citizens' personal information, doesn't that just make everyone in the right position a spy? Doesn't that mean you literally, it's not just that you can't trust 
Best Buy, you can't trust Apple Care. You can't trust anyone who you're giving your information to because there there might be an employee at that endpoint who will take your information, turn it around, give it to the FBI. Yeah. Or and, and one that's up all, that's it. Sell always, it. Just sell your information. That's always that's always been my issue is uh like even with Apple Care, uh you take your laptop in, they're like, "Oh yeah, we just replaced the hard drive." You had a hard drive issue. I'm like, "Well, where's the my hard drive?" drive? <laughs> <laughs> like, Dude, I have data on there. I don't particularly want you to have, you know. These guys are cloning data all the time. I, I see this a lot yeah. on the uh the piracy news boards. Is one of one of cable companies' favorite things to say nowadays is Ah, uh, yeah, we're probably not going to prosecute anybody for downloading a movie. Encrypt your password, or uh, 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 use a password manager. But I think I think we need to go beyond that. I think we need to say, encrypt your data. Understand your value. Uh, consider getting rid of Facebook. Consider the value that you're putting out there. You know, every day there's a new story about a hacked website, information coming out that people don't want to come out, information that people don't care about that ends up being very important. I, I think we're entering the encrypt everything society yeah i'm I'm with you i i I still wish pgp was easier to use because i despise email i despise sending emails and i just wish that i could more comfortably encrypt my emails when i send it to people and you just can't do it and the technology is there it's just not so simple for where my mom and my dad can use it and I wish it would get there because this drives me nuts. Yeah, I think we're we're reaching an, an age in the society where where the the casually used term "if you have nothing to hide, then you shouldn't worry" is actually bearing fruit. Where people are realizing that you're not hiding things from the police; you're hiding things from everybody else who has negative intentions. Because man, if I were to check my router and measure my attempted attacks on my home network, it's hundred a day. And just a just a misconfigured webcam lets them watch my my living room any time of day they want to and spread it around forums and it's it's getting scary how quickly everyone's data valuable or not is getting distributed and it's all turning out to be valuable. I know you're an Alexa user. Does that ever concern you that that you've bugged your own house? Yeah, it does. Hey man, convenience over security—that's the measure. Yeah, it it does. I do have I do have concerns. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. I do, so do as well. And that's why they always use. Women's, <laughs> that's why they always use women's voices. It's disarm. It's disarming. And I, I I got the Google Home Assist as well too. So I have that. Have you made have the Google yet? Home Assist? I'm about yeah. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna like get them to go against each other so they ask each other questions back and forth. All right, you have one more here. I don't. I'm afraid I don't know anything about this one. There's not a whole lot to talk about. It's just kind of one of these. We're just kind of coming full circle. So, a few shows back, we talked about how the CEO of Backpage, which we all kind of are willing to admit is even a sleazier version of Craigslist, if you could imagine that. Okay, I, so I, I forgot like, what it was. I couldn't. That's, yeah, it's not is, like Backpage the was pilliard. Yeah, whatever. Got like a dozen ads up there, man. I saw them. I was terrified. I'm like, holy crap, dude! People that want my socks. Natural. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't care. They're paying good money for them. 
But the CEO of uh, Backpage, they arrested him for sex trafficking. Trafficking. Now, it's not one of these like weird billionaire people who has this fetish and they caught him doing something bad. No, he was the CEO of of a website that uh, was identified as being a tool used by people in the sex trafficking industry. And as a result, they arrested him. So he had no direct involvement in any of this. Well, it seems like the government's getting their way because Backpage has uh, shut down their adult services ad section. So it's not there anymore. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's kind of kind of weird. It's like, okay, the government, the government kind of stepped in and said, yeah, you know what? You're not doing this anymore and we're going to arrest you until, until you shut it down. I don't know what this does to his case. I don't know if this was part of a plea bargain or what what the story is, but Well, I'll tell you yeah, that it's gone. the when you try to look up the adult entertainment, it says censored. The government has unconstitutionally censored this content. Protect free internet speech. Use social media to support hashtag free speech. Donate to Children of the Night, an organization dedicated to rescuing children from prostitution. So Clearly, they they were not willing participants in this shutdown. But oddly enough, it has made them a cleaner version of Craigslist. It really has. <laughs> I know, I'm back to going to Craigslist looking for my hookers, man. I don't know what to do. Hey, hookers and drugs. It's going to cost you 40 roses. <laughs> All right, man. That was a deep show, dude. That was a we, great one. deep. I don't know. I love that we end our like we end serious. our shows by just going, oh Jesus, it's over. God, talking about hookers and wrapping it up with that, yeah. Well, you yeah. always you always gotta wrap it up. All right, Thomas, I think that is a wrap for episode forty-five. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and a special thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they cr- the communities they build and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.